Biggest disappointment of the season, guys, I, I usually let you guys go first. I'm going to throw mine out there. It is the handling of the quarterback. So we can talk about a specific player. We can talk about a concept. We can talk about a game. Uh, wherever you want to go right now on the message board. And, John, let me lead with you. To me, it's just the way they handled the quarterback situation because I thought there was a glass ceiling from the get. And as it turns out, like usual, you usually say, I was right. I, uh, yeah, I guess I looked at the quarterback situation differently because I really thought Joe Milton, I base put too much stock in the Orange Bowl game and perhaps gave him too much credit for that. I thought he played very well in a, in a high pressure situation. There's a lot of pressure on him uh, to do well because it was kind of up to him whether the Tennessee would win or lose. He threw three touchdown passes. I know there were a lot of, th there were a lot of three and outs and people mentioned those, but that was not, I guess that wasn't to Joe Milton I was expecting to see. I wasn't thinking he'd be that good. So when he was that good, uh, it really increased my opinion of him. And I thought, yeah, Tennessee can win with this guy. Uh, I thought they had the necessary pieces around him to be successful and win 10 games. Uh, very wrong on all that. Uh, but I do think, I mean, so I guess I was disappointed yeah, the handling of it, because Josh Heupel was wrong about Joe Milton. I mean, that has been one of the biggest, had one of the biggest impacts of anything with UT football the last couple of years. He was wrong about Joe Milton. Uh, so that's part of it. But I also thought Joe Milton would be better than he has been. And, and John, also this season... It has had as big an effect on anything in the SEC that occurred during the season other than Nick Saban finding Jalen Milrow, which worked out on the flip side. Scott says, absolutely, Dave, 100%. We would have never seen Hendon if Joe hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, makes, And then I don't know where he was going to go. So um, uh, what, what about you? What's the biggest standout disappointment from this season that's probably going to end up at 8-4? and four? I, look, it's Joe Milton, but it's it's a specific aspect to Joe Milton's game, which is this. The Clemson defense last year played bear coverage over the middle, and Joe Milton completed a lot of passes over the middle. And I said, Dave, on our postgame show with it, me, you, and Caleb Jairo were on that postgame show. I remember it distinctly last year after Tennessee beat Clemson. I said, this is a huge deal. The clock's been reset against Joe Milton. It's going to reset how defenses are going to have to play. They're going to have to respect the middle of the field. This whole year happened. I have never seen a quarterback have worse touch on passes over the middle of the field than Joe Milton. I don't mind actually the inaccuracy on the deep ball because I knew that with Josh Heupel's scheme, even if you're not accurate on the deep ball, you're still going to hit three of 10 sometimes in three of 10, they all usually go for touchdowns. I mean, hooker hit about five of 10. So I didn't mind that. The reason the deep ball was never there is because nobody had to respect the middle of the field at all because Joe Milton has, zero touch over the middle of the field. And if you're going to throw a bullet, I talked about this yesterday with John, because I think Dave brings up Brett Favre a lot, but if you're going to throw a bullet over the middle of the field, it's got to hit the receiver directly in the chest. It can't be a little bit off where a receiver has to make a play on it. And Joe Milton throws a bullet that doesn't hit the receiver directly in the chest. <laughs> yeah. You don't make, uh, you don't make back shoulder catches on a hundred mile an hour fastball. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right. It, you, it's got to be right there for you. And that was very challenging. Another thing, Dave, that I was 
it's related to the passing game. I really thought this receiving core would be better. Well, I know Brew McCoy got hurt, but I thought that three guys, Brew, uh, Squirrel White, and Ramel Keaton, would be better as a group. Here were my thoughts heading into the season. Obviously, I didn't know Brew McCoy was going to get injured. I thought they would be very good. I thought that, especially with a lot of the over the middle passing routes that we saw in the Orange Bowl, I thought that Squirrel White would be highly as effective. They've wasted a year with Squirrel White because Joe Milton was a quarterback, period. Ramel Keaton is just a really good player. So if you go to our poll question on YouTube, you can vote for this question. How much doubt do you have in Josh Heupel? Some, enough, too much. Some leads with 74%, enough, 4%, too much, 22%. We had this question on the YouTube channel. Why is there none option for Heupel concern? Because if you're not concerned about a coach in his third season that took a step back, I don't know what to tell you. If you're not concerned about anybody that takes over your program, not name what, Saban? Who were the locks during your your generation? I thought Dan Mullen was going to be a lock. I thought Urban Meyer was a lock. Those were my three locks in, in my lifetime, and I was just two for three. Uh, John, how many locks as a coach do you think there have been? Well, I think Urban Meyer was a lock. I thought Steve Spurrier was a lock. Can there I actually ask you that, doubted him When he was hired? Um, yes. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Quick question before we move on with the Spurrier thing, because I brought this up yesterday, John, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, what's the difference between Heupel having a four-loss season this year, all blowout losses, and Spurrier in 1992, which was his third year, he had four blowout losses to Florida State, Tennessee, and I think Mississippi State were part of that. Uh, yeah, if you look at it from in that context, you could say, yeah, Josh Heupel's another Spurrier. I've, I've used a Spurrier comparison a lot with uh with Josh Heupel because of what he what they can do offensively um however and they each had their own system uh I'm not looking at it so much from the record I mean you can go from 11 and 2 lose your key players go from 11 2 to say 9 and 4 which Tennessee could obviously finish at that level uh and it not be alarming at all it, it to me it just keeps back getting back to this thing about the quarterback. I mean this it wasn't like a one year deal. It was something that started in 2021 when he hand picked Joe Milton. My point on that, I think Steve Spurrier knew who could run his offense, who would be effective in his offense. He didn't take the five stars. He picked guys that worked in that system like Danny Werfel, Rex Grossman did, even Shane Matthews, whom he inherited. Uh, so I think it's more about – that to me is kind of glaring. That That's the only issue I have with Josh Heupel and offense. It's just you thought this guy would make this offense go full bore, score 40 points a game, and 
that that would be my only concern. It wouldn't be the record. Yeah, anybody could drop. Things could happen, and you could have one a drop off in a, in a third season. Any, any other concerns? Rocky Top Tom says decisions on conditioning properly, hitting in practice, play calling, etc. Um, I've got. I do have a concern about them um, not hitting in practice. They don't hit very much in practice. I think that's the way to be a better football team. I don't want to get into the all gory details of that and why I believe that makes you a better football team. I think it it does make you tougher. But Josh Heupel is not alone in limiting contact conditioning. That's come up a couple of different times, John. Did you see? You know, Tennessee's a highly conditioned team. Did you see? Any instances where players weren't conditioned against Georgia? Caleb, I want to get you on that too. But I I didn't see that, but I've heard it like three or four times on social media. I think when you look at it, you're watching a game and a team fades, you say, well, it was conditioning. I mean, that's a natural response. Uh, I think all college football players are really well conditioned. There aren't any great secrets in strength and conditioning. Everybody has a strength and conditioning coach. They all seem to come from the same family, uh, same genetic code. Uh, they can all scream a lot and get you to lift more and go harder, lift higher, run faster. All right, he's strength and conditioning coach. Good for him. So, yeah, I don't put a lot of stock in that. I, I mean, sometimes when you got a good team playing a not so good team, it takes a, it takes a while for the good teams talent advantage to assert itself you've seen in a lot of games not just tennessee where the the preeminent team starts out kind of slowly it's finding its way the the underdogs hanging in there and then as the game goes on longer the better team establishes superiority well and tennessee used to be that program when um, they would play Vanderbilt and Kentucky late in the season. Eventually, their talent would just win out.